0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: BFM 89.9, a very good morning to you. You're listening to the morning run. It's six o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, the 16th of August. I'm Philip C, and in the studio today with me is the vivacious, amazing, awesome, effervescent Wong Xiaoning.
0: Good morning. You shouldn't start the day with lies, Philip. <laughs> Seriously, or exaggerations But never mind, I'll take it all You take it all, I'll right? I'll take, we it take all. all the compliments <laughs> Yeah, I think because have that to downhill <laughs> all the way
1: downhill all the way Well, you know, it's a Tuesday, it's it's now the 16th of August We've passed the halfway mark of the Hungry Ghost Month Have yeah. evil spirits consumed you yet, Wong Shao I hope so, <laughs> I hope so, because
0: I want to have a fun weekend But jokes aside, jokes aside um, You know, some of the the kind of rituals that go around the Hungry Ghost Festival yeah. are interesting, um, mm. and one of which was when I was was well a few years ago. People used to ask me, "Do you still go running at night, uh, like like early in the morning right, before right. dawn?"
1: Yeah.
0: And he never occurred to me that that was why there were so few people running about and there there I was happily... Like a
1: lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I also ran and you know what? I mean, this is... I'm super pantai and I'm going to be scolded for this. I see so much food along the road, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, that's really nice. I wonder if it tastes nice. <laughs>
0: Terrible. But you know, these rituals also... I mean, they're a form of our culture, right? Yeah. It should be respected and it's a reminder of of us to to kind of pay homage to our ancestors.
1: It is, it is. I think it's very important sometimes to learn Learn from the past, but don't bring it along with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for that's for, for sure. Well,
1: regardless, I think, you know, I hope you stay tuned with us throughout the day because we have a really packed show. Because at 7.15, we, we dissect what decision the federal court made last week, right, when they ruled that victims of road accidents should automatically be given compensation without having to sue insurance company. We get the perspective of Anthony Lee, the chairman of PM, on his take on that.
0: Okay, and then at 7.30, we're going to look at this city-state of Hong Kong uh, because it has cut its 2020 GDP forecast, taking into account a worse-than-expected economic performance in the first half of the year. And with the political upheavals we, which we saw in the past, and now the determination to maintain a zero-COVID policy can this financial hub maintain its shine in asia
1: a very tough challenge i think for the in- for john lee right the mm. the the leader the of the new, the new head ceo, CEO of hong kong yeah. then of course at 745 i think everybody is anticipating g15 as we hear the drums of general election beating louder right because the question is when will g15 take place likely end of this year we get some insights into bn's readiness for the elections we have with us adip Zolkapli, from a uh, director of Bauer group Asia. We'll be discussing all of that and more after this on the show. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. The Moneymaker by Rilo Kylie, dedicated to Warren Buffett, Rakesh Junjunwala and Wong Shauning.
0: Yes. Clearly, i like to make money, or I used to in my previous life. But well, yeah. it's nice
1: to be associated with Rakesh and Warren, isn't it?
0: Uh, well, I'm right, 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 right <laughs> down there. <laughs> the bottom quartile <like, laughs> of
1: this whole established I hall of fame like, of money making. Um,
0: if they are one percent, I'm somewhere by ninety-nine point nine percent. But yeah, yeah, thanks for putting me in the same triangle. Well,
1: I think we all, you know, we're in the same crowd. Then we all mix together, we become, and you know, self-actualize and become that future Warren Buffett of Malaysia. I don't
0: know. I haven't still haven't got the invite from Davos yet. But yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: invited. Let me know. But perhaps one requirement for you to be a moneymaker is to actually be working non-stop 24-7. But in this case here, you propose this article, isn't it? Uh, no, the our, our
0: intern did. Bernard did.
1: Is it a message to you asking you to Probably. stop thinking about work at 3am? Well, I
0: think this is actually doesn't really apply to me because I'm, I'm already up by 3am. <laughs> <laughs> the sad life that I live, right? So yes. I'm one of those weirdos out there that actually gets up at 3 a.m.
1: Yes, just to clarify to everybody, she gets up at 3 a.m. to exercise for one hour before she comes to the studio while all of us here are like rolling out of bed at about (laughs) 4.45, cursing and swearing as we stumble into the studio at about 5 o'clock. I'm even worse, I stumble in at about 5.20. So
0: do I, I'm not on time, but yeah, I've been up since 3.
1: So the question here is, is it healthy to keep your mind alert and thinking about work throughout the night? And I, I suffer this affliction too Uh, and i think the the article here proposes a couple of actions for us to try and stop and avoid thinking about work in the middle of the night right and i think the one that's most insightful for me was to make a to-do list because it's all in your mind right how do you Mm. basically translate that and put it into paper and pen
0: yeah uh, i practice a few different things one of which is that i try to disengage from work a little bit earlier before bedtime. Yeah. Right? Because I find that if you keep thinking about it or you're you're engrossed in it, be it in some document or reading news, because our, our life is all about news, isn't it? Yeah. Then it's very, very hard for me to actually go to bed. Harder. Much That's harder. True. Because the mind is still buzzing. And I mean, then it needs to kind of kind of like wind down. And then reading, working is not ideal. Well, it depends what you're reading,
1: to be honest. Yes, I think reading something light, or oh, and for me, like for special, I listen to a podcast. I listen to Christian meditation before mm. I go to sleep, so that really helps me wind down very fast.
0: Okay, my my favorite podcast to wind down is. Desert Island Disc. Have you heard uh, of that? Yes, I it's have. It's from the BBC, right, where they uh, interview, it could be anyone, it could be someone like Adele. Recently, they did Adele. Mm. In the past, they've done Sting, for example, or even Bono, and sometimes politicians. And they asked, like, if you could bring eight discs, eight, famous songs with you to a desert island, what would those songs be and why? Yeah. And then the most precious item, sometimes it's a Bible, sometimes it's a Quran, sometimes people say they want Shakespeare, it could be anything. And then they you know, they they use this music to describe the life that they've had mm. or their ambitions, their goals, how they got there. And I love, love, love this podcast. And I find it extremely relaxing. So reflective w- also. So, because I think about what I would like to bring for to the sure, desert it, island.
1: It distracts you. I think that's one of the key things, right? How do you stop thinking about work is to find distractions. And for you, it's basically hearing some other thought-provoking thing. Yeah, it, that it, makes it, you shift attention and turn away. Yeah, from not work. so
0: much from work, but more just reflections in, in my life, right? And also then listening to other people thinking to ourselves to myself, hey, sometimes we are very different after all. You know, the That's worries right. that we have, the fears that we have, the conflicts that we have within ourselves Everybody has them.
1: So you feel like kindred spirits in the sense that you you feel when you lead into, before you go into listening to the podcast, you think, oh, these worries are unique to me, the individual, and then you realise, aha, no, no, not really. No, not really. Everybody has the same challenges.
0: Exactly. And also because they are, you know, it's a myriad of people, right, from different cultures. So the other day, they interviewed this man that was, who's like the first black Seville role tailor who came from a very poor township in South Africa. I learned something about South Africa. I learned yeah. something about Growing up in a township like that, and how he made his first clothes from curtains, you know, and these are stories that inspire me, and also they are life lessons.
1: And it's a reminder that it's very important to exercise self compassion. Yes, to be to be kind to yourself because sometimes you feel tough that you fail in address fail to address these issues, but realize everybody is failing to some extent, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So find that little thing that will help you sleep at night. There's no one cure. There's no one size fits all. But definitely switch off that computer. Switch off that handphone. That's the lesson, the tip number one I have for everybody.
1: But the one key, one key advice also given was engage in physical activity.
0: So I do at 3 a.m. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for this first segment. We're going to head into another quick break. When we come back, we'll be discussing all sorts of matters related to the work in sin industry. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. A very good morning to you. You're tuning into The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. today with Wong Showning. You know, that song reminds me to go on a safari in Namibia.
0: Isn't that Toto? That one sounds more like, you know, the Africa song. That sounds more like uh, a song for safari. I just need to go on holiday. Namibia is a perfect place for safari. Really, yeah? Yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's one of the best places to also do stargazing.
1: And because it's super
0: dry, you can actually see animals very clearly because there's no foliage for them to hide in.
1: Okay, so I can see there? based on your experience. Yeah, is it? yeah.
0: So yes, of course, the lushness of Kenya and Tanzania also are amazing for safaris, but dryness actually, dry desert environments also have their pluses.
1: I see. Well, let's turn our attention to this article from The Economist, which really struck me. Again, one of my favorite columnists, Bartleby,
0: which is a woman, by the way.
1: Which is a woman, by the way. Well, yes, does not matter? We discovered for us. that really? two weeks ago. Yes, because
0: okay. she revealed she revealed that she was working on her kitchen table.
1: I see. Well, I like this article particularly because we've had a lot of conversations about generational Mm endgame, right? This whole plan to, you know, you know, you know, basically stop the use of tobacco for the next generation. And it got me thinking about employees who work for these tobacco companies and what does that mean for them? Uh, And so this article talks about working for the baddies, right? Mm -hmm. What would anyone want to toil for a tobacco firm or casino? That was a question that struck me as I walked around because if this bill gets passed, I'm sure many lives and their jobs are all affected. But to a certain extent, I get a feeling that these employees are still quite happy where they are. They're doubling down, very committed to the job and want to move forward.
0: I think um, that decision would have been made from day one, right? If they even submitted their CVs into these companies, I presume. So you would have already made that decision then. I think that would have been your first hurdle. Maybe you went in and you thought, this is not for me. That's also possible. That's possible. Uh, But I think if you, you already sent in your CV when you were, let's say, a management trainee or you saw an ad... Um, you probably thought to yourself I could work here maybe I I can live with it because I, you know maybe you don't make a value judgment number one mm. and then number two you think maybe I can be a, a agent of change
1: within the company that is true I like the point you make right this value judgment or being an agent of change for example if you look at tobacco companies like Philip Morris right they want to make create a smoke-free environment mm. You're or even
0: British to, American tobacco BAT yeah.
1: yeah you want to create that be that agent of change which is not bad right mm. or it's also the value judgment judgment which can shift for example you can work for an arms dealer but perhaps now in this case with the Russian war Ukraine, Russian Ukraine war you think well that might be a necessary evil yeah. to help you stop Russia from invading Ukraine
0: the other thing also is that you know um, in if you really really and I'm not I'm not trying to, to I, I think you know life is complicated values yeah. are complicated and we're not trying to make judgments here and there but there are some people where look you know I don't think there's anything wrong with this it's it's a legitimate business. It's legal. That you know, that is why can't I work for a company like this? It's freedom it, of choice. It's freedom of choice. It pays well. Right? Yeah. Um, so why should I, why should that stop me?
1: And this is where then it got me thinking, right? When you see society gang up against you, especially mm. illegitimately, right? Where they think, well, why are you putting your values on me, imposing your values on me? I have a freedom to choose what I want to do.
0: Yeah. And for whom I want to work for, as long as this is not illegal, why are you looking at me that way?
1: Exactly. Then I think they double down and I think get even more passionate with the job. So this is where I think when society basically, you know, unfairly, you know, ostracizes someone. Then Mm. maybe this tribe or clan then coalesces together and unites and say, hey, this is unfair. I'm going to double down and even like be more committed to the job.
0: Yeah, because, you know, life is a series of shades of grey, right? So I might work for a bank, for example. I'm just hypothetically saying here, right? Does... Does the action of every bank, is it perfect? Is it shining? Is it always good 110%? It's a
1: very good point. How do you say what is good and bad? Everyone has different degrees, right?
0: Exactly. So during the uh, great financial crisis of 2008, question marks about investment banks being very greedy, right? Maybe giving wrong advice to clients. So if I work for a company like that, am I a baddie? versus f- versus a person that works in the tobacco company,
1: for example, big pharma. Yeah, you know how you why are you overcharging for medical subscriptions.
0: Yeah, but without the without the pharmaceutical product, some people might actually not survive. Absolutely. So you you know there's a lot of shades of gray, which yeah. which I think there's no right or wrong. Uh, but the point here is that you make your own decision, and you have to be comfortable with the job that you have decided to do. But I think where, as long as you're in there, nonetheless, you should just be the agent of change, right? To be that better person, to be that make that firm a better place.
1: Yes, make that firm a better place and make sure you are clear about your inner purpose and not necessarily need to follow what society expects from you as well. Now, we're heading into the News Bulletin and when we come back, we'll be looking at the latest international headlines. Coming up, Can't Get Enough by Bad Company. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was Mr. Blue Sky by the Electric Light Orchestra. It's now 6.40 in the morning, Tuesday the 16th of August. You're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. myself That's and Wong Shaolin. Right.
0: Did you forget your name,
1: <laughs> I forgot my name for a while. But let's have a look at the stories that made international headlines this morning. showing what caught your attention?
0: Ooh, look who's back in town. And it is the WeWork founder and um, Newman Uh, He of the infamous, uh, I was going to list my company, which actually wasn't worth the paper. It was written on. Okay, anyway, that was terrible, (laughs) right? Uh, Well, remember him? He was, you know, the king of of co-working space. Uh, Masayoshi's son paid, put a 47 billion valuation on WeWork. Guess what it's worth now? It's only worth 4 billion uh, US dollars. But hey... And then he got sacked, but he's back again because he's got a new residential estate company, real estate company called Flow.
1: And what does it do? It Um, sounds...
0: Well, to, let's give you some numbers because you yeah. want to be dazzled, right? So, uh, an investor has now invested three hundred and fifty million at roughly a one billion valuation for this company, uh, Flow Carbon, and a uh, Flow, and it's about uh, it's a website, I guess, about who doesn't really do anything at the moment.
1: Well, you know, this investor though is not any you know normal investor. It's Anderson Horowitz, right? They are a very prominent venture capital firm. So beyond the website, I guess there has to be something underlying. There isn't it as is a it business a brand? model. Brand for what though? Flow oh. is such a generic name. I mean, are you investing in the person, and uh, you know, Adam Newman himself? Or is there something tangible behind this real estate company? Because perhaps it's Adam Newman being able to have a deep understanding about real estate around the region following his previous experience at we work, so they could be banking on his experience to do that.
0: Perhaps but this one is going to apparently shake up the residential property market. Well, we'll have to watch this space, right? Uh, because he did apparently do that with the office experience. So now there's now he's turning his eyes to something else. Uh, so actually, and the, this legendary investor said that Adam Newman, uh, you know, has success has. Of course, achieve success yeah. with WeWork. To be fair, he did. He did revolutionize co-working space, made it very different. So whether he can do that in the residential property market, will be watching this space. And
1: all we have now is currently is that bare bones website with the slogan "Live Life in Flow."
0: Can you imagine something like that worth three hundred one billion valuation? Just a website based on the uh, reputation of. Just a man.
1: I know. But you know... Uh, I don't think
0: anybody will give me a thousand bucks for I, an empty website. Though.
1: I doubt it. But you know whose lives are not living in flow now? It's those in Afghanistan. Because yeah. I think we're celebrating one year I don't under, think we should use the
0: word celebrate.
1: Well you're commemorating or remembering yeah. one year or under the Taliban, you can see some t- statistics here. And I think if you look at The Economist magazine, the headline is Afghanistan is poorer and hungrier than a year ago, but it is actually safer. Now, if you look at the numbers, it is quite startling numbers, right? GDP has fallen by a third compared to the same period. Prices for food and fuel have risen by about 50% versus June and only one in 20 families have enough to eat.
0: Well, it was partially because Afghanistan as an economy Economy was highly dependent on foreign aid, right? Yes. And with the foreign aid drying up, that meant that GDP saw, saw sharp declines. So at the same time, I think we we need to make reference to the fact that women have moved the women's movement. Probably it's very backwards. curtailed. Yeah, for sure. So you know, uh, limited education available to women. Women can only participate in certain kinds of jobs, which is mainly security, uh, health services, and uh, you know. So it's it's not a good place to be in if you are if you are
1: a woman at all well just to give you an interesting statistics you know for, for the two decades under the american backed government female literacy had actually more than doubled between 2000 and 2018 to only 30% so it was a very low base but there was big progress then in that 18 years can you imagine in the past 2 years how much it has regressed since yeah, then yeah
0: sadly um, you know and it's almost forgotten right as we move on to another crisis to another crisis to another crisis you know the other crisis which we semi have forgotten is the Ukraine war, and Russia continues to bombard uh, yeah. Ukraine. And is there peace inside? No days and we're coming up to Mm. what 200 days and there is no also no resolution the problem with us human beings is that we forget very quickly and then we move on and we move on
1: yeah I mean that's a scar tissue of war isn't it it's not even a scar tissue it's basically really a deep wound that has a lasting impact for war and I think there are also a lot of impacts of the pandemic and I think that's why you see you know the likes of Singapore where for Lawrence Wong the incoming prime minister Mm. has indicated the need to perhaps raise more taxes right Sheldon
0: this is a bloom Bloomberg actually revealed this story because he sat down with Bloomberg News Editor-in-Chief uh, on Monday and he actually made reference to this Gini coefficient, which is um, the in- you look at the income inequality between the top 1% and the bottom 1%, mm. right? And I think basically it has increased significantly in Singapore. So they are kind of hinting that the wealthy may face more tax as the government seeks more inclusive growth in this city state and also trying to shield the most vulnerable groups from the impact of high inflation.
1: Well, as you said, right, I mean there were so many concerns about Singapore's inequality. It really dropped from twenty twelve to twenty twenty, but it did pick up again, you know, as a result of the pandemic. And they really do need to shore up their public finances because they were having a funding shortfall in twenty twenty, nearly fourteen percent of GDP. And since then it has Reduce quite a lot but I think this is an issue that's going to happen not only in Singapore but across the world. Yeah
0: but to be fair to Singapore I think they are making strides in becoming a fully developed nation right so you do need to look at the social protection that is available for the vulnerable as you move maybe more to a Scandinavian model.
1: Yeah I think that's the big question right how do we basically put these safety nets for everybody who can afford. It's now 6.46 in the morning and when we come back we'll be looking at today's local headlines. Keep it here BFM 89.9. Paradise by Sade. Please take me take there. Me t-
0: take me there now. <laughs> oh my now, Immediately
1: you, get me us. out of this quagmire that I'm in, right? It is 6.56 in the morning and now we turn our attention to the local newspaper, Which is why we
0: need the paradise now.
1: It is. Well, I think one of the key things that came out in today's papers was this healthcare white paper, healthcare reform white paper. Uh, I think that's building momentum. You see that actually plastered on every page of the newspaper. There was a, basically a big call basically to increase spending because the health ministry is asking for public health expenditure to be increased to 5% of GDP. Currently, it stands about 2.59%. And in the quote of our health minister, Kyrie Jamaluddin, I know all ministries are also seeking allocations, but as George Orwell said in his book, The Animal Farm, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others.
0: I like that. And by the way, he can come on our breakfast grill anytime just to quote George Orwell uh, because he, he has actually sent out his speeches to a lot of the uh, portals. So Militia Keeney covered it. Um, but we'd we'll like to know exactly what he wants, uh, the direction yeah. of the healthcare system. Will there be support for this? Because you know, fiscal headroom is very limited. Every ministry wants more money, right? Mm. So he has to
1: justify this. He's trying to justify it by essentially saying, look, the ageing population, right? By 2013, 15% of our population will be aged to 60 and above. 2.3% of adults are facing depression uh, and 7.9% of children aged between 5 and 15 have mental health issues. Don't talk about NCDs, which have nearly increased substantially. So I think he's making the case that if you look at the waiting list in the hospitals, there is a need to move because that 2.58% of GDP spent is just not enough.
0: But I also want him to come and tell us whether he is going to be transparent and accountable for how the money is spent. I do not want to see any wastages. That's the Mm -hmm. thing, right? I think this is something that applies to all ministries, by the way.
1: The question is, you know, that's a big jump, right? 2.59 to 5%. How yeah. do you basically get there? Is it a pathway to do it? Because when you do that step jump, that's actually quite prone to, you know, the yeah, sure there's the uh, funds and such. There
0: needs to be transparency when it comes to procurement. Uh, there needs to be a transparency in terms of how the money is spent, where is spent. Uh, If there is, then, you know, the reality is true. All well and good. Because it is true. We are facing an ageing population. Mental health is a problem. We don't spend enough on healthcare. Clearly, COVID-19 really shone a light on the gaps in our healthcare system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Other news that caught my eye uh, is actually, well, something that we'll be covering later on in the morning, which is about the uh, parties, the application to join Barisan National still being fine-tuned, says Coalition SecGen. This is being reported in the Malay Mail, it's being reported in Malaysia Kini, because it was supposed to be disclosed last evening, but... Belum,
1: belum,
0: belum, as usual.
1: Everybody wants to join the presumptive winner, don't they? They
0: do, they do. And we even see some of politicians who used to belong to another party. Form another party, and then now want to come back to BN. Are you following this? Are you following this?
1: I don't understand all of that. But what I don't, I what I don't understand is if you actually see newspapers, you know, you saw a lot of pictures of the literal combat ships under construction at the. They Barstool. had a media tour, by the way. They had a media tour, right? And we weren't me, invited.
0: Well, I wasn't invited. Would but you yeah. want to
1: go all the way to Lumut to see the Bostol Naval Shipyard? But for me, it was very telling because you saw these ships really in rot and decay, and you ask, us, and you ask yourself, at what point will the ships be ready? Right. Because I think our defense minister was saying 2024, he wants to see
0: 2023, if I'm not wrong.
1: 2023, 2024, less than 24 months away ahead. And I think in the start, there's a headline uh, about the ex-Navy chief Ramli in hot water. Tansri Ahmad Ramli, Muhammad Noyes, alleged to have approved payments in the millions, whether or not, from the board of Baustil Naval Shipyard, the company involved in the building of these six literal combat ships.
0: Uh, you know, so much you write a book on this, right? Tom Wright, are you listening? <laughs> Yesterday you you wrote about, of course, you wrote about 1MDB, but so much you really you know write a book about this i think it's it's another classic example of what we do so well unfortunately in Malaysia. it
1: is a day of reckoning for the ministry of defense i mean there's been so much conversation about you know the integrity of the procurement process of the ministry of defense perhaps this uh, saga here will shed some light and perhaps remove the stigma that comes with them because there are a lot of great men and women who serve in our yes, military yes. navy and it's very sad that you know this kind of corruption scandals tarnish the great work that they do
0: yeah in fact the uh, emerald, emerald right I think he wrote like 10 letters to the government right, yeah. protesting why are you using this company this is not the company that we want yeah. and to be fair they are the end customer for these six Absolutely. combat ships they should know best right but they were ignored so what's happening there now very quickly uh, Malaysia Insight Nazlan's former job at Maybank nothing to do with Najib's SRC trial says prosecution it's going on today so the federal court heard that I think we'll have another eight days of all these details coming out bit by bit Uh But of course, we'll be following this developing story.
1: Oh, I think it's going to be a very muchly anticipated trial case. We're heading into the 7am News Bulletin and when we come back, we'll be looking at how markets closed. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.